This week on the Glass Cannon Podcast, the heroes ascend to the city of Skeld. This is marvelous. Like marvelous as in it is a marvel. Like I think he is just is just a beaming smile look on his face. And try to warn the authorities of the nearby giant threat. If your supply lines get cut, you'll die up here. Baron seeks to unearth the secrets of his past. I'm hoping to look through your records here to see if there's any mention of uh, the Ash Peak family. Excuse me, what? Did you say your name was? While Sir Will anxiously awaits word from home. He comes riding up with all haste. Is there mail for me? Um, I'm Sir William at Keswick of Highbury. But something else awaits the heroes. And then he sits up screaming in his bed. <laughs> the adventure continues now. going on everybody it's your old buddy troy lavalley coming at you with another exciting episode of the glass cannon podcast happy new year i i haven't had a chance to say this to all of you in person yet let alone on this podcast so happy new year i hope that you're having a a lovely happy and healthy new year that you stuck to all your resolutions and that uh, all your dreams are coming true we have had some hot episodes lately. Am I right? Am I crazy? I feel like we've really been on fire ever since we started book four, and this episode is no different. But first, we got to talk about some business. You are hearing this most likely for the first time because I have only told the organizer. But on Saturday, February 3rd, in the beautiful state of Oregon, in the city of Portland, there is going to be a GCP West meetup. You guys know that, right? There's like over 50 people already signed up. Well, when I see that kind of commitment from our fan base, from one section of the country, I'm like, well, we can't just let that go without showing up. So myself, Troy LaValle, and Skidmar are flying to Portland to be at that meetup. What? Troy, you maniac, what are you talking about? No, it's happening. I don't even know what we're going to do there besides have a ton of fun and drink some sweet, sweet Portland beer. So if you're coming to that event, I can't wait to see you again or for the first time to sit down, hang out, play some games, have some beers, and just have a good old-fashioned fun time. Skid and I will be our own trivia team, though, and we will have no one else on the team, and we'll probably still lose. As usual, a lot of things happen in a GCP nation. Just minutes ago, I finished shooting a video with Grant, the GCP State of the Nation Address. Uh, the first one we've ever done. I just feel like there's a lot of things to talk about. Everybody wants to know about Starfinder. Everybody wants to know about Ruins of Aslan. Everybody wants to know about video content and all the other things that are going on. Well, hopefully this video will cover all of those things. I think I, uh, I think I laid it all out in no uncertain terms what's happening and more importantly, when. But folks, we got another episode to get to. So sit back, crack open a nice cold water or something else delicious, and please enjoy episode 137 of the Glass Cannon Podcast, Helter Skelter. Huh? 
Joe, I couldn't help but notice you're reading Elves of Galarian. <laughs> yeah, that's it. right, gentlemen. That. Take a look. Look there, at that. There it is. Ooh, it's beautiful. Well, why? <laughs> Skid, didn't you listen to last that's, week's episode? Uh, that's Marie. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> should we spoil it for Skid? Sorry, I just with the holidays. You weren't caught up all, yet. No, I was just so distracted with you know <laughs> the ball drop and all. I, just, <laughs> is I believe good that's read, uh, I believe that's Mauriciel on the front. Oh, it uh-huh. is yeah. dodging some. Uh, some, I don't know, woodland madness. She may be my favorite iconic. She's an incredibly awesome iconic. I really like iconic. her a lot. There's something about the art, and I've listened to some of the uh, the plays that they do. They do like these audiobooks of, uh-huh. uh, they did an audiobook of Rune Lords. Oh. Uh, it's, it's not like an audiobook, it's like a staged like radio play of it. Uh-huh. it, was, it was, and she's awesome in it, and uh, yeah. So I'm glad that you're her now, I guess. <laughs> you are Mauricio. <laughs> Yep, yep. How's everybody doing? Everybody uh, enjoying the new year? It's 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 still January. It still feels uh, cold. It's a cold one. It's a cold one. Uh, I don't know if everyone is a resolution type, but have you? Uh, if you did have resolutions, have you been able to keep them? Have you cut out drinking, cut out caffeine, gone to the gym every day, Matthew? No. <laughs> I was going to say he does all of those things anyway. Just drinking, Short boozing, answer. crushing coffee, and hasn't been to the gym since <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Well, I mean, I wanted to, to, to work out a little bit more, but I, I haven't yet. It's no. too cold. we got a lot of recording to do. There's only so much time <laughs> in the day. It's ridiculous. Grant, have you been a good boy? Have you been uh, keeping up with your resolutions? Oh, Troy, I've been very naughty. <laughs> I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> <laughs> don't, I, don't, I don't think any of us expected him to say that. I really regretted that. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm really uh, just taking stock, happy to be alive, uh, air filling my lungs every day, even if it's freezing. I didn't realize how awful January and February were until I moved to New York City. How long have you been in New York? Ten years. Ten years. Thirteen years in uh, uh, New York State. Ten years in New York City. <laughs> I thought he said the ten first... years. Thirteen years in March. <laughs> I was going to be like, that, that doesn't make any sense, Grant. <laughs> Three years upstate at the penitentiary. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this place is so nice from my window. I should move it. <laughs> Auburn State Penitentiary. <laughs> How much time have you done up here, Grant? <laughs> that was that was not living, folks. That's why I don't count it in the ten. Thirteen years in March. Skid, <laughs> how's your new year going? Everything uh, going as planned? Yeah, I don't know. I'm having trouble with my resolution um, because I resolved – it's probably a mistake. Okay. But I resolved to kill one, like, able-bodied man uh-huh. <laughs> sometime <laughs> over the course of the year and get away with it. Okay. And uh, I just don't think, like, physically and morally I'm up to it. So sure. I don't even know why I did it. I honestly. thought they were hot on your tail. And that you're afraid of getting caught. <laughs> no, no, I killed a couple, but they, yeah, they, but yeah, they weren't able-bodied. I mean, they weren't really able-bodied. Like one of them had kind of a limp, right? Yeah, and I'm not a hundred percent sure that I got away with it. So, <laughs> well, it's a, it it's a, to be certainly. It's, just, it's a lot of trial and error that I don't think I'm up to. You got eleven and a half months. I wish you all the best. Well, certainly thanks. announcing your intentions on a hit podcast probably won't help with the getting away with it, but it also may not help with the. Uh, the doing of it. Well, it's not a resolution if it's easy, Matthew. That's a good point. <laughs> Skid, are you excited to be running Ruins of Oslant for our Patreon subscribers? I, the $5 yeah, I was talking, up? yeah, I was talking earlier uh, how excited – I was telling you guys how excited I am. I really, really am. I've, 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 I had so much fun. The only one that I've done was for the live show uh, that we did in Astoria, and I had such a blast doing that. And I think I've learned something since then. And I've gained new appreciation, uh, I hate to say it, but for what you do. Charlie. Come on. <laughs> get out of here, um, but, uh But yeah, no, I am, I'm extremely excited. I cannot wait to run a game for you guys. Well, I can't wait to uh, play, play a human fighter. It. 
I can't wait to be a human fighter. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, the only people that are more excited than us to play is for the listeners to listen to the master at work. Yeah. And um, that's coming soon. That is coming sooner than you think. Yeah. But now we got to get back to the GCP. Mm-hmm. Here lies the podcast the, at hand. This right. podcast at hand. Back to the matter, to the matter at hand. <laughs> the city atop a bluff. Skelt. Can you picture it? Can you picture these waterfalls making, you know, pushing down elevators to bring people up and down the drawbridges? And just imagine what this, like, uh, imagine like a makeshift scaffolding uh, structure looks like to get to the top of the city. Mm-hmm. Now, Lork, you've been here. Had what transpired uh, in 135 not happened, I would have said, like, you must remember this. But now you probably don't remember anything. But there must be pieces coming in, like... Yes, yes, the this, the that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's starting to remember it. And with the couple day journey, uh, I think yeah, slowly more and more things are are coming back. He's becoming more and more Lork uh, as he goes, just just in a in a strange and different body. Can I? Uh, can Pembroke do a knowledge geography just to see like how much she knows like off on the face of things? Oh yeah, sure. Oh. Yeah, can I do that as well? Because I actually have, have ranks in knowledge. No, nope, only skip. Please, uh, fifteen. <laughs> 15. 21 right. for, for us. 21. Okay. Um, small city, population uh, well under 10,000, probably closer to five, 6,000. Um, it is um, a very important city to Nirmathas. It falls under the uh, purview of uh, Nirmathas. It's another big dwarf settlement. I mean, there are other races there, but uh, it's, this is certainly not Yanderhof. It, it pales in comparison. Joe was asking me about it, and I said, it's probably similar to the size of Windhelm in Skyrim. You know, that, that city, isn't it Windhelm, or is it yeah. uh, White Run? No, it's Windhelm. Except there White, wasn't... Windhelm. Windhelm, yeah. But there wasn't a single city with 10,000 people in it. No, but I mean, I, I just I, I picture that kind of size, and it was probably the big, uh, you know, cathedral on the hill. It's no uh, Yanderhof. It's no Yanderhof. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, main form of industry is mining and lumber. So the dwarves like mine the mountains and then carry the ore up these elevators into the city. It's a very important city to the economy of Nirmathas and also to just the general protection of Nirmathas because it's nigh impregnable. It is a, a major trade route. And for a long time, it only traded with the dwarven city of Kragadan. But when Bloodsworn Vale was reopened again after the Shawanti made friends with everybody, or really everyone made friends with the Shawanti, now it's opened up the trade routes that they didn't have accessible before. So it can bring in a lot more money than it used to because now they can get to Corvosa, Magnamar, uh, all over the inner sea region. It, it, so it actually made me think of um, Dunharrow from Lord of the Rings. Remind uh, me. Which is in the movies, just to dumb it down for everyone here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's in Return of the King when the Rohirrim, like after the Battle of Helm's Deep, it's like the, the mountain... Uh, it's like the switchback trail that like goes up to it. Yes. Like, the top of it. It's actually, I always thought it's like, this is a more defensible position than Helm's Deep ever was. Yeah, Helm's but, Deep has doors. Yeah, there's like a wall. So it's like, try attacking the Dunhar. Anyway. Um, so, but yeah, but it makes me think of of that. And and Grant last week mentioned the Aerie from uh, Game of Thrones. I Troy did. Or you did. Oh, yeah. We're, we're um, now a couple now. Yes. Well, Grant so was Grant was here. Yeah. Right, Grant was here. I was here. I mentioned it. Um, but yeah, it's like I think Pembroke, as in all these things, these places that he's read about but hasn't been, is fascinated, and he's just this is 
I said, this is marvelous, like marvelous as in it is a marvel. Like, I think he is just is just a beaming smile look on his face. I can't believe he's lived long enough to see this. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Baron, and this is another dwarven city. What, what, what do you think? Well, is, there, is there a business you want to attend to? You've got to spend at least a day or two here, and then that's it. There are two things I want to do, Troy. One. One is, are we, is it? What's the temperature? I thought area? you were like, is it raining? I was just like, no, that's not really Uh What's the temperature? Uh, it's 56 degrees out. Okay. But is this a generally warmer area, colder area than we're going where we're headed up towards uh, Skiergard? Well, this is still a high altitude. Skiergard yeah. is even further south. Skiergard is farther south, but you just don't know until you get there what that situation is. You would think it's probably pretty cold up there, but All it's right. just the top well, of a bluff. I'm going to invest just in case in a fur-lined cap. Okay. Which I can put my headband of inspired wisdom on top You're of. You're buying a new hat? I'm buying a new Yay! hat. Buying a new hat. Yay! All right. Yay. You wow. lost that outside of the tomb of Narcom Steelhand yep. when you walked into the wind wall. Fighting that, that double crosser, nay, quadruple co- crosser, uh, what's her face? Iwiga. Iwiga. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I want to do is I asked around. I didn't get any info. Wasn't on the podcast. It was so boring. Um, I want to know if there's any more intel on the Ash Peaks. Ah, uh, the Ash Peaks. Yes, perhaps in Skelt. They will know more. Uh, Feyraza, do you have any uh, business you want to attend to? Any uh, party members you want to murder? Um, <laughs> I think she's gotten out of her system. <laughs> what are your plans for Skelt? I mean, she's keeping a close eye on Lorg just in case she has to murder him again. Sure. And bring him back to something else. That's I mean, smart. he's so liable to be cursed. <laughs> um, it's true. <laughs> no, it she's also genetically tre- predisposed <laughs> to cursings. And we all know, just a knife to the... She's still got Brittany's love. So just a knife to the throat. Right. Um, no, but in all seriousness, I think she's also pretty fascinated by the city. I mean, remember, she's never been into the inner sea region. She spent her life, you know, down in Osirian. So I think she's fascinated by this. I think the idea of the interplay between technology and nature that they're using here is probably very interesting to her. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe she's a little dubious of it, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah. Very cool. And Lork, you uh, you have business to, to attend to. You obviously want to try and find a cleric, right? Yeah, I want to try to find a cleric uh, to deal with the negative level that I have and see if I can get that healed up. Um, it's going to be a little pricey. And then, um, yeah, I guess just generally, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think mainly he wants to get, wants to get going, though, though I do think he might do some, try to do some gear trading out. Because during this journey, he's sort of he's learning a little bit about his new body, and he's finding, you know, he's not as strong as he once was, and he is a little bit more dexterous than he was before. You're making me think of a health ed class. I know. It's like great. there's hair where there wasn't hair before. <laughs> Changes happen. Changes are good. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, why is the gym teacher telling me all this? <laughs> he may want to try to do some some gear swaps. So he's thinking about that as well. And mainly, his focus in doing so is to get the show on the road like he's so eager and excited to start tracking these giants to skier guard and uh and start taking them out one by one i gotta put you on the spot here did you cast the new oh, elf version of lork i'm so interested <laughs> to hear the answer to this question i did actually wow <laughs> i really wanted to highlight how what a huge change it is and what a ridiculously uh, just uh, charming is not the right word, but just a he uh, just looks very, very different from mm-hmm. old Lord. I have a guess before you say it. Okay. James Gandolfini. <laughs> <laughs> it was not James Gandolfini. No. Uh, in fact, it is a. Jenna uh, Elfman. 
<laughs> oh, that's good. Picture, uh, picture with long blonde hair. Janelle. Uh, <laughs> she was more shoulder length. Man. It may be, it may be slightly younger. Ryan Gosling. Oh, <laughs> handsome devil! I love it. I love it. Another oh, another great. Oscar nominee in the yeah, cast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. we only the best for the GCP. And he's so hot right now. That's he, great. He is. A, yeah, he's a good looking elf. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Daniel Day Lewis was on the short list, wasn't he? <laughs> hey, you should see how weird, el- weirdly elven a young Daniel Day Lewis looks. So yeah, he yeah. was on the list. And Matthew or Grant, one of them pointed out. I think it was Grant that he was in My Left Foot. Yes, <laughs> at around that age, so yes. it would have been perfect. <laughs> and then, and then Grant was also said under his breath that he'd be furious if I cast Daniel Day-Lewis. You can't double cast a man. I mean, he's a very versatile actor. But Grant's but... excuse was he retired from acting. Right. Yeah. And this would be a young Daniel Day-Lewis right, who is right. totally available to right. act. Or he's right. retired. Uh, all right. And did you do any fun things with your racial abilities? I did. I did. I did do one thing. Uh, I actually really liked the Elven racial abilities. Mm-hmm. I think they fit the Ranger really well, uh, the Ranger class. But I wanted to change uh, one thing in particular, which is elves get elven magic, which gives them a buff to their magical abilities. That's what I was talking about, yeah. Um, And so I swapped that out for, and I thought this was awesome, for uh, one called Woodcraft. And I think that this comes right off of his visions. And the shaman of the Skoan Kwa reinforcing to him, like, he needs to remember what he went through in that place. And I think that maybe he was affected by this in a way that it, you know, it kind of affected his, his racial abilities, so to speak. Um, so he has an innate, he has innate deep secrets of the wild, especially the secrets of forests. Elves with this racial trait get a plus one racial bonus on knowledge, nature, and survival checks. In forest terrain, they improve to plus two for each of them. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, so bonuses to knowledge, nature, and survival. Pretty awesome for, uh, for a ranger, which I already had ranks in. So those abilities get even higher, which is cool. Those skills. Well, survival is always going to come in handy um, if you're trying to infiltrate yet another giant camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, I, can I ask you a question if Joe's been doing the reading? Um, I know that in earlier versions of the game, in old Dungeons & Dragons, for example, um, that there were creatures who had souls. And there were creatures that had spirits. And elves were creatures that had spirits. And it was, you know, again, drawing from Tolkien, where it's like they're just of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know if that's still true? I, I haven't come across that yet. I, I, I'm not sure yet. Um, but it is, in my reading, not to get into specifics, they are so fundamentally different. Elves, like they're just so different. I didn't realize how different. Yeah, and it's going to be so strange playing an elf that is embodied with the psyche of a half orc. Yeah, someone who grew up, spent fifty years, forty something years as a half orc. Yeah, forty some years, forty four years as a half orc, yeah. and now as an elf, it's just so strange because he has this body, but and he has some of these abilities and sensibilities, but he also he doesn't have like a natural sort of like off-putting distrust of all races the, the way that elves do. And he doesn't have the connection with elves and the world the way elves do. Yeah. So I'm trying to, instead of that focus on elves, I'm trying to m- turn it more into a focus on the world and his connection to the world and yeah. maybe even the spiritual aspects of it. So I'm not even saying there, there couldn't be uh, a possibility for multi-class. Uh, that's true. Too. That's a good point because that's part of the spirit-soul thing is elves' destinies 
are tied more to the, the world. They have more of a connection to the earth and all that's in it than men do. Men's destiny lies elsewhere. Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so. and I think it's interesting based on wh- what we went through with the vision quest. And, and this is happening naturally. Like, we, we rolled Elf, you know? It just yeah. sort of happened that way. But it's all fitting together kind of nicely. And him being a ranger class. I think Lork was a ranger that was more of a, a militia guard kind of ranger yeah. or a hunter, a giant hunter. But now he is, while he still maintains all those abilities, and while he won't necessarily out of the gate have the mystical properties of an elven ranger, he does have more of the sensibilities of connection to the forest and the earth That's and all that stuff. really cool. This is straight from James Jacobs on one of the Paizo uh, boards uh, with people asking about this question. Because in, in uh, the former iteration of the game, elves were fey. And yeah. so they dealt with this sort of soul-spirit thing. Um, he said, we deliberately made elves have no ties to the Fae in Pathfinder as a way to separate them from other RPG games that did make this choice, Mm. or at least imply this choice. Having elves be aliens is actually a lift from my homebrew game. I've always thought elves make a great fit for being alien visitors to a world. Oh, that's actually, that's something they talk about in other, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah. Right, this also allowed us to shift that role over to gnomes to, to make, help uh, make them feel unique to Galarian as well and to get them out of the shadow of, they're just shorter, kind of more magic dwarves, rut that they'd been uh, in until then. Uh, that said, I suppose the idea of elves being fey is so deeply ingrained in the minds of all of us now and then, fey elf flavor sneaks into the game accidentally. We try not to do that, but it happens now and then. But elves aren't from the first world that predated the current prime material. Yeah, and that, yeah. and that I did know and did read, that they are from another world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have, literally. They have portals connecting them yeah. between planets like, in the, like Keon and the... Exactly, yeah. which is what is so interesting, I think, as we get ready to embark on Starfinder, is that... Because you read Starfinder elves, and they're like... Yeah, I mean, they've been out there all along. They're more like right. Vulcans in this iteration. Yeah, they're like on yeah. another planet. They're already, you know, they've been there. Yeah. So, it's, it's so you are an alien now. Yeah, basically. It's yeah. great. Cool. I'm wondering if those elven portals, one got so huge, it subsumed all of Galarian, and that's where Galarian is. Because if you remember, Galarian is missing at the beginning of Starfire. Perhaps it would explain Grant. the gap. Perhaps. Perhaps Grant, that is the answer. write that down. You heard it here first. <laughs> We're um, official. That's canon. Grant. That's the explanation for the gap. Everybody can stop wondering. <laughs> Pembroke, anything you want to get done in Scalp besides just take in the, the I just want to, yeah, I think he wants to uh, take a look at the, the engineering, the hydro engineering. What was this? this is another, like, sort of uh, avocation of his. Like, he wants to take a look at that, see what's, get, a, get a handle on it, and um, just uh, just talk to the people get a sense of the place. That's all he wants. And what about uh, Sir Will? Uh, Sir Will is waiting on word from Highbury. Ah. So he had sent a letter in Yanderhof, Yanderhof, and now here at Skelt, he's looking forward to seeing if there's, if he's got mail. How do you think mail travels in uh, Galarian? You think it's by Raven, huh, Joe? I don't know. I've never looked it up. I just said we could just do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Skid? Like, I, I feel like there's magic involved. Like, you send a letter and it's like maybe it, Yeah, it seems strange to, like, only have, like, runners or horsemen, you know, to take the post right. in a magical world. Probably depends on the city. Like, maybe Yanderhof has a really fast system of R- getting things places. Right. But to get it from Highbury to Skelt might take a little longer. Either way... My guess is quantum entanglement. That's a, that's a possibility. Definitely. definitely yeah. <laughs> Matthew concurs. Uh, you arrived in Yanderhof uh, one, two, three, ten days ago. So it's not 
out of the realm of possibility that there could be something there for yeah, you. Maybe. Um, I don't know what the postal system is like. Maybe it seems it's all... odd in a world with a teleport spell <laughs> that you can't just like get all the mail together. And right. at the end of the day, a guy just like, <laughs> boop, right. It's, fires it over. I think, I think Druids just do all the mail. I think they run the postal service. Well, that makes sense. Based. Eagle form. Yeah. <laughs> drop off some mail. Fly back. Mail some GCP merch. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it make, I think it's perfectly logical. Um, all right. So you guys all have, uh, not unlike Yanderhoff, some business to attend to. But it's also uh, any last shopping you want to do, get it done. Because it's time to get into battle soon. All right. You guys roll up. Not unlike Yanderhoff. A couple dirty looks. Baron is able to assuage their fears. These guys are cool. Don't worry about it. Uh, oh, it's an odd-looking elf. Pembroke is exchanging dwarven greetings in dwarven with, with everyone he sees. And they like that. They think yeah. that's very He's charming. He's like tugging on his big floppy hat. Hey, yes. Axes of the dwarves be upon you. <laughs> that's a battle cry. <laughs> and, and they, I thought you were going to say they're tugging on their beards. Right? Oh. Yeah, it's like, oh, what an adorable little... <laughs> <laughs> I like your little chin Not whiskers. The beard. <laughs> Not the beard! Uh, all right, so you, uh, you guys exchange pleasantries. They allow you up, and you guys go up one of these elevators. <laughs> the water coming down, lifting you up. You'll, the drawbridge will lift one elevator over to the other, a lot of switchbacks and whatnot, and you finally uh, make it up to the top and unveil a town like I described. I really want to picture this like Windhelm because I have a very clear idea of what it looked like. Uh, you walk in, there's that little main square, you go around the back and there's another area. Is with that the fountain. one that's like up, way up north? It's one of the first major cities you get to where you go in and you have a... I know I bought a house there. crafting right there. Yeah, you buy I know I bought a house. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, and then it has the, the Jarl is way up. You go up this long staircase in the back and the Jarl oh. is in there. Oh, that first town. Yeah, the, the first, first town. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think of. So we're going to use that as a, as a reference point. Uh, and the, the city is, is yours, uh, gentlemen and lady. What do you want to do? Uh, Sir Will wants to go <laughs> check the mail, see if there's a place uh, where you go do that kind of thing. Uh, sure enough, there's the Skelt Post Office, <laughs> SPO. He uh, comes riding up with all haste. Is there mail for me? Um, I'm Sir William Keswick of Highbury. And you, uh, you check with them, I mean, um, and, and they don't have anything for you. Shit. <laughs> Uh, all right. That's the end of the episode. Let's a- go home. We'll see you next week. <laughs> end of that storyline. Uh, <laughs> Sir Will kills himself. Uh, <laughs> he jumps off the bluff. <laughs> he does. <jumps off. laughs> uh, they yeah. have forsaken me. Yeah. <laughs> they say, I'm sorry. When did you send it? Uh, Ten days ago. Uh, you know, Try back tomorrow. How long are you in town? Did you put tracking on that? Yeah, do you have a tracking number? <laughs> I, mean, I really need more information here. You certify that? Certify? Yeah, it's, it's just really odd to actually think, like, if they got a letter in, a little scroll, a rolled up letter, and it was like, for Sir Willem at Keswick. And they're like, never heard of him. Right, trash. Yeah, wrong mail, <laughs> trash. There's a good chance we threw it out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's how we run the postal service here. <laughs> but yeah, they said, you know, try back tomorrow. Maybe we'll have something. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have anything right now. Okay. What else? I think uh, Baron would like to invite Pembroke on a stroll with him. Mm. Oh. Uh, we both appreciate Dwarven culture, the architecture. I saw him admiring kind of the um, elevators they've set up here. And I'm hoping to maybe, you know, as I'm looking uh, for Ash Peak 
information here, perhaps some of his knowledge history would be helpful yeah. because it seems to be hidden by the sands of time. Yeah, Pembroke, I think, is this. Yes, no, I'd love to accompany you on a little walking tour. I know we have a quest and everything to go on, but uh, <laughs> but I'm also, I'd be, I'd be very happy to help you in your personal quest to find out more about where you come from, my friend. So I think that's an excellent idea. And we do a little sightseeing along the way. And I think in between the sightseeing and, and oh, this sluice is amazing. I can't believe how this water elevator works. I'm kind of every once in a while trying to ask Pembroke. Pembroke, did you ever want to tell me a little bit more about that dream? Did it ever bother you anymore? You learn anything from it? Well, it was it was a strange thing. I suppose it made a lot more sense once events played out the way they did. I I remembered when I was a boy, I, uh, well, not a boy, but a very young man, I accompanied a, um, I was a member of an expedition into Galarian to, uh, to, uh, uh, to find uh, ancient artifacts. I was always interested in it, even from, from that age, and associated with the uh, Arcanarium. went down and we had our, uh, our guide, a young uh, Osiriani man. He's quite deft. Uh, navigating the deserts is no easy thing. It's like navigating at sea. Mm. But uh, the stars are different down there. It might have helped. We had an astromancer with us, but it doesn't, it doesn't really help when the stars are, are different. Mm. So he was, uh, he was killed uh, by a half-fiend cultist came out of a tomb hmm. and we were stuck sandstorm brutal the heat of the day the freezing cold of the night we had very little water and we didn't know how we would get out too far from civilization or even had no knowledge of the nearest oasis well and well to make a long story short I witnessed I witnessed the young man be brought back. That was the first time I'd seen someone brought back from the dead there in the desert. It stuck with me. It was terrifying and exhilarating all at once. And it's not something that is ordinarily under the purview of the arcane. It's fascinating to me. It's divine magic. And so it came to me in a dream at night. And now... And I do know why. I sensed that the same thing was happening nearby. A close friend. Hmm. Well, it certainly has been a, a bit of divine favor that Lork is back with us, albeit changed quite a bit. And as we're talking, I guess Baron's kind of keeping an eye out for any libraries or or, um, or halls of records or anything. Oh, like I'm, that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Baron. I don't mean to correct you, but I believe it's pronounced library. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. I know you're a man of letters. And, yes, uh, yes. It's I'm, a common mistake. It's I, all right. I'm just a dusty old drifter, and I don't know how to say nothing. I have nothing but the utmost respect for you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay, yeah, you're, you're passing along, and you don't see any sort of, like, grandiose uh, Hall of Records, City Hall type situation, but you do see... Uh, a place that may have... Hall of Answers. Hall of Answers may have uh, some records. So I, I walk in and um, 
I, I'm kind of, I don't know, do I see like a huge stack of books or something inside? Uh, there are maybe seven or eight rows of books. Uh, they're pretty tall, and they have those uh, ladders on wheels that move back and forth. I picture it carved into the side of the mountain, like the treasure area at Petra and Jordan. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Definitely carved in. Very dwarven, yeah. dwarven-like architecture. And uh, there is a middle-aged uh, dwarven woman. Uh, sitting at the desk, uh, reading a book with glasses on. Good day, ma'am. How does this day find you? It finds me well, uh, and yourself? Uh, well, it finds me in search of, of knowledge. I'm, I'm hoping to look through your records here to see if there's any mention of uh, the Ashpeak family. Uh, the Ashpeaks? Uh, I wouldn't even know where to, to look. Is this a family of yours? Uh, to make a long story short, I may have found through supernatural means that uh, my true family uh, goes by that name. Ah, oh, yes, supernatural means and whatnot, yes. <laughs> it's like a daily occurrence of this <laughs> <laughs> Um Well, uh, I wouldn't even know where to begin to look. I mean, you're welcome to uh, peruse, but I, I, I couldn't even direct you. Do, do you know where they hail from? Fucker, I don't have my piece of paper scanned. Well, I'm sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> uh, ma'am, I'm not sure where they might hail these days, but I know that um, the closest relative I know of served with Nargrim Steelhand ages ago. Nargrim Steelhand, Steelhand, yes. Uh, well, just a moment, maybe I do remember hearing about this Steelhand. And she goes off into the books and you, you hear her talking to herself. Oh, that's a nice Steelhand. She climbs up a ladder and, like, kicks herself down the row. <laughs> really fast. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, well, what's this? Pulls out a book. No, no, that's not it. And slides all the way back. Surprisingly nimble woman. <laughs> and then she comes down and she's like, oh, let's see here. Uh, ah, yes, yes. Uh, there is some uh, knowledge here of steel hand. It's a, sort of a, a small folio uh, with some uh, some some of his family tree. I don't know if that would be helpful at all and she hands it to you and so i start scanning through it and yeah and it just as you're looking at it you realize that if you were back at the tomb or I, you probably etched it or at least etched it in your mind you might be able to place who all those people were right. on the mural right. by their name you mm -hmm. know because their names are all like you know Fat Fist. You'd be like, oh, that's probably the guy with the fat fist. You know what I mean? Fat Fist the first. Fat Fist the first. The first of his name. Um, and you see that, and you do see uh, Ashpeak in there as well. Um, and you see Magnus Ashpeak. Yes. Who may be the gentleman who wrote that note, correct? Correct. The, the M from the note. Mm. Mm. Any more information on Magnus? Their whereabouts, anything in these records, or...? If you, you know, a, qu uh, a quick sort of scan through and, and if you kind of reference as much as you can, it seems that most likely these Ash Peaks came from, who knows if they're still around, there's no uh, clues that would make you think they're even still around, uh, came from uh, farther south. Okay. Somewhere in the mine spins. Okay. Wow. And you're heading south. So possibly you're on the right track. But unfortunately, like, you just look up at all these books they have, and this isn't even that big of a place, and you, you wouldn't even know. You could spend months in here and still not find more information. It's well, like finding a needle in a haystack. I'm going to keep the name Magnus in my mind. And um, uh, I always ask myself, what would Torag do as I go forward? 
WWTD. And then just, um, I thank her for her time and then showing me the book. And oh, I, my pleasure, yes. And I, I ask her, ma'am, is there a hattery around here? Ah, uh, yes, of course. Uh, we have a, a number of hatteries. Millinery. A millinery. Millinery? Uh, yes, Mil- we, have, we have both. Um, right, right down there. <laughs> she points oh. the <laughs> <laughs> oh. Actually, I also sell hats. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it's hats you need, she opens it's... up her jacket. And hats in each. All hats and records. <laughs> All hats and records. For only three, four hundred dollars. Yeah, there's there's plenty of places where you can buy a hat. Okay, so I step in. Ding 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 ding. What you looking for there, sir? <laughs> I'm looking for a hat. Oh, we got all sorts of hats. What kind do you want? I'd like something appropriate for the uh, mountainous climate. Oh, so, uh, sure, sure. I, I tend to prefer something with a bit of a wide brim. A wide brim, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, something, you know, that'll keep the sun out of my eyes. Oh, I've got to keep the day. sun out, yeah. And something I can uh, pull over my eyes when I, when I rest my weary head. Perhaps something like eyes. this, like, like my big floppy hat. Oh, you want a floppy hat? We got may, floppy hat. Uh, may, uh, maybe uh, something uh, less non-agenarian, but uh, right. maybe more in the, you know, youthful, kind of hippie. Something to keep you warm, pull over your eyes when you take a nap, wide brim. Something more fashionable, perhaps. Fashionable, maybe floppy. That's a little floppy. Ah, here's the perfect hat. And he gives you exactly the hat you want. (laughs) (laughs) It is as if he read your mind, I think. uh, How lucky of us to find a telepathic haberdasher. This hat is is very similar to the first, but it's made out of really heavy wool, and it kind of has like a fur trim. It's kind of like a Russian kind of like a knee dancer hat, so it's hopefully getting ready. Hopefully it's not incredibly hot further south, uh, but that's what he's getting ready for. And he also asked, uh, uh, I didn't get your name, sir. What was your name again? My name is Roy the Hat Guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Roy the Hat Guy, I'll never forget your name. Be sure to tell your friends if they need a hat. I know exactly the hat. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. I can role play that hat in under 30 seconds. <laughs> Enjoy your leopard skin hat. Leopard skin? Leopard print. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my companion's so not going to enjoy that at all. <laughs> uh, all right. So a little more information about the Ash Peaks. Very little. Uh, but, you know, you know, you got a name. Uh, which corroborates what you read in the right. thing. And right. also farther south, you're heading that way, stay alive. Maybe you will come upon that. And also you would think if there is uh, the Ash Peak still alive, maybe the farther south you go, the more you will come in contact with people that may know of them. Right. Um, but you know, Yanderhof, nothing. And then Skelt, a little nugget. So it also makes you feel like maybe there's nothing left and you are the last of the Ash Peaks. Take heart, my friend. It seems that very possible that uh, the, the breadcrumbs to the, the answers you seek may be along the trail we already follow. No, I, either way, Pembroke, I, um, I think I found my new family and, and an adventuring party, and I, I've got a purpose in life, but it, it would be nice to know if I were able to do so. So I'm not broken up about it, but I'd love to know. That is good to hear. All right. Um, do you guys want to get an in or something? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you guys find check, uh, check the Yelp reviews. Check the Yelp reviews. You find <laughs> something that's affordable uh, with no traps. With no traps. <laughs> I um, mean, we could do a price line, name your price or something like that. But you never know where they're going to put you. You could be far away from what I, you need to yeah, go. It's yeah, day of. We, you yeah. probably have to use hotels tonight at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like something with a waterfall view. <laughs> it's going to cost extra. <laughs> a waterfall view. Um. And, you know, you, you guys have been doing stuff. Faraza, what have you been doing on day one? Uh, I think Faraza is, is 
spending a little time by herself. Uh, I mean, she did murder one of her companions for very good reason. But I think it's an it's emotional just, experience. It's an emotional experience. Speaking as a recent murderer myself, I know how <laughs> difficult can, it can be. Skid can speak to this directly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think she's kind of wandering, you know, wandering the city, checking out the waterfalls, and just kind of trying to get in touch with the nature of these, this particular region. You're just you're taking it all in. Yeah. Anything uh, nature related is right up your alley. Uh, and Lork, do you want to like gather information about a cleric? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll do that. All right. Um, roll uh, diplomacy to gather information. <laughs> he currently has a negative one to diplomacy. Uh, <laughs> natural two. Wow. Natural so that's a, that's a total of one. A total of one for yeah. diplomacy. I think he just seems You probably come off as really super weird. Super awkward. Yeah. I think you come super off as awkward elf. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you, are you going to change? What, what voice are you working with? We I was about trying to do a, a bit of a higher pitched voice oh. with a little bit of the accent Excellent. still there. I like oh, it. Okay. All but right. he's a little more upbeat and vibrant about what he's got ahead of him. Oh, I like that. Yeah. He's more Irish. Uh, he's more he's Irish. Yeah. Irish. It's easier to do the Irish when you can go lighter, Matthew. <laughs> you spend the better part of six hours just weirding people out around. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name's Lork Iron Tusk, and this is my cat. And they're just like, ah, ah. Uh, especially because it's a lot of dwarves. Right. And he yeah. is treating dwarves like he loves them. Yeah. Because he yeah. does. He has yeah. no problem with them. And they are like, what is going on here? Yeah. Are there any elves? Does he see any elves around? A couple. More half elves than actual elves. Um, but if you see an elf, you just run up to him like, yeah. hey, hey, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I'm an elf too. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> uh, yeah, so better part of six hours and you don't learn anything. Um, Damn it. So unfortunately. Uh, well, you know what? In that time also with the nothing. post office down, I'd like to do a role, uh, diplomacy, gather information from Sir Will uh, okay. to ask about Skiergard. What anybody here might know about Skiergard and 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 the path there, uh, in terms of what dangers we might face, you right. know, creatures that that sort of thing, uh, the wilds, what have you. Uh, that is a twenty-one. Twenty-one diplomacy uh, gather information. Skiergard about are the you, journey to Skiergard. Are you like bringing your maps and showing them the maps that you got at uh, Minderhall? Yeah, Cathedral yeah. He's sort of he's he's kind of acting like kind of it's militaristic. You know what I mean? Like he's like here's where we're headed. He's canvassing for information about the area. Right. Um, they want to know, like, how are you traveling? Are you on foot? Are you on horse? Yeah, we're on foot. On foot. Um, well, that depends. How far How far away is it? Um, they think it's probably another four days on foot. Four days on foot. Four days on foot. Far. And uh, they don't know anything about Skiergard in general. They've never heard of Skiergard. Oh, they, a honest. lot of people heard never of, heard of it? Never heard of it. Wow. However... Um, if you start telling them what you know, they do say there has been a lot more giant activity in the area, that there have been groups of people that have just been murdered or lost. In the town or just in the surroundings? Outside, in the surroundings, like people leaving Skelt to go travel through the Bloodsworn Vale. Have you seen giants within sight of these walls? The people you talk to have not seen any giants. They know sort of proudly that they're completely safe up atop Skelt but they also feel for their relatives in other cities that aren't as safe. Who is in charge of the defenses of this city? Roy the Hatmaker. <laughs> <laughs> wow, double, double duty. Well, He's really a servant of, <laughs> servant of his people. Yeah. Well, finding out who's in charge is pretty important to Sir Will just because he wants to notify them of like 
that he knows more information about the giant gatherings and frequent giant sightings and that they should up their defenses to the best of their ability. Right. And yeah, I mean, they can totally uh, direct you to the captain of the guard yeah. or at least one of his uh, patrol Who sergeants. Who is the captain of the guard? Yeah. Uh, and so he would like Roy to talk to them. <laughs> Roy the guard captain. A busy man. I see. <laughs> He's, uh, he's a man who wears very many hats. <laughs> uh, good one, Grant. Good one. Uh, so, yeah, he just wants to talk tactics, tell him, you know, there's frost giants within four days journey from here on, on foot uh, for small folk, which is probably half the time for giants. So just be aware and uh, do what you can to keep an eye out. I know this position. I know this position is nigh on indefensible or in or defensible. Impregnable. 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 Yes. <laughs> Uh, but nonetheless, these creatures are extremely dangerous and must be must, must not be taken lightly. Um, and yeah, so you you don't gain ad- admittance to the captain of the guard, but you speak to uh, two of his patrol sergeants, mm-hmm. and they say that they will uh, inform him. Uh, he is aware of the giant threat. He wasn't aware that there could be a camp of giants training nearby yeah um so they take this very seriously but they you also get the sense that they're a little cocky because of their positioning right you know what i mean like they're like let somebody else deal with this they're not going to do anything to us the worst thing they do is like destroy our elevators and we'll just build more they're not going to get up here and kill us they might not they might not even like totally trust him anyway Right. Because uh, who the fuck is this guy? This little half And it is like, without I'm Sir Willibut Keswick of Hybrid, <laughs> a paladin of Iomade. But that would feed into the cockiness, too. It's just like, yeah, no, I think we're, it's okay. We'll be fine. We got Thank a kid. You. But yeah, if, they're, exactly. if, their, if their supply lines get cut out, they're going to die up here. Like, I imagine they rely on other people for food unless they have farms. If your supply lines get cut, you'll die up here. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, and I think maybe they're more worried if they have any concern about the, the trade disruption than the actual loss of lives because they're safe uh, in that respect, but they can always – I mean, they're safe from physical harm, but, yeah, they could have – these uh, trade routes completely shut down, and then they won't be able to. And they've they lost, starved people. out. They yeah. have lost people, but they just don't. But even that would probably take months or years, right? Right. I mean, they're probably just take a different route. It might take longer yeah. to get the food back, but but no, um, I mean, they probably have supplies like a castle, like has like stores. Yeah, they're in a very food. an area that is very productive, like a yeah. castle or a family of Mormons. Five six like thousand people, like months and months and months worth of in food, the city. You know? Yeah, they've got this. Pretty well under control. Doomsday okay. preppers. So you're it's, you're not met with like a scoff, but you're definitely they're like okay, well, well thank you, thank you. We'll we'll pass that knowledge on. The um, captain of the guard's name is Fockham Barrelchin. Hmm. Whoa, that's a weird name. F o k k e m Barrelchin. But you don't get to meet him. Okay. Ah, fuck him. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. So you rest up at the inn for the night. Uh, maybe do some boozing. I don't know. There's a little uh, bar next door. I could have a tipple. I think Lork definitely Even does something. some boozing and finds that he is, his tolerance is nowhere oh, yeah. <laughs> where it used to be. And he gets like way too drunk, way yeah, too man. fast, falls asleep in a seat at the bar, at a table. <laughs> Two wine coolers and he's down for the count. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All of a sudden he really enjoys the fruitier uh, drinks. <laughs> Zimas. Dwarven yeah. Zima. Your, your Elvin. Elvin Zima. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, another night. Uh, how many more so of these during nights the night, are you going to have left? During the night, uh, we kind of come into the uh, the in room where we're uh, where we're sleeping, and uh, and you see Lork, Elf Lork, is sort of like sweating, kind of around the brow, <laughs> in bed, and then you see he's 
looking around in a small alleyway between two buildings uh, in Trunau, in the mud-tracked streets, and it's raining. And he's standing next to Baron, and behind him is Gormley. He kind of turns around, and he kind of barely recognizes Gormley, and he, he looks forward, and he can hear the sounds of battle. He looks down. There's a bow in his hand, but his hand is a pale white color. It's not a uh, half-orc hand. And it's holding this bow, and he looks down at the mud, and his eyes sort of slowly roll up, and there's a teenage human boy on his knees in front of him, and he can see a knife right up to his throat, and he, he sees the boy, and he knows immediately that, like, this is his son, and that he has to save him and it just slowly pans up and the man holding the knife is lork iron tusk and he just slits his throat oh. and then he sits up screaming in his bed <laughs> and he looks down he sees this cloth with the blood on it and he's like just trying to to, to make sense of it and gets no more sleep the rest of the night he's wow. kind of like twitchy Wow, oh, God. That's so fucked up. But it makes all the sense in the world because he died, you would think, because of Lord's he curse. He basically Lord killed, him. killed him. Yeah. That's oh. so fucked up. I didn't even think till just now that Lork and Jason both died from a knife to the throat, too. That, too. Yeah. yeah. That, too. So oh. he relives oh. this moment, and it's like it's so clear to him. And, uh, yeah. And so, but now. You've now felt what Jason felt. Right. You've, you've actually sort of been in his shoes now you've been on both on sides of it now totally yeah yeah these memories are going to come hitting you and you have to exactly. know that these are coming back and if this is any indication of what these memories are they're not going to be pleasant right the reason Feyraza took you yeah. out mm -hmm. and brought you back so with the exception of Lork everyone gets a pretty restful sleep mm -hmm. you wake up the next day and you have to feel like what are we doing here we're healed up We've got what we need. Maybe you want to do some exchanging of items. Maybe you want to get a couple more potions of restoration, a couple more cure light wounds or, or, or whatnot. But then it, it's time to go. At a certain point, you are belaboring it. There's stuff you want to do, but like you're going to hang out and scalp for a week. Uh, so you guys all get up and Lork is not there. And uh, just within a few minutes of like getting up, rousing, getting awake, you see he, he comes in. Uh, to the front door and he's like kind of all sweaty and explains that he just uh, finished a five mile run uh, <laughs> because he, he he didn't sleep very well so he figured he might as well work out and uh, he's just he feels like really good he's like yeah you know, it's just a dream I'm, I'm over it I'm over it I'm good and uh, and he's ready to start the day and he asks uh, if any of them or Sir Will could help him uh, find a, uh, a cleric because he's like, I've, I've been unable to find anybody. Have you guys seen anybody uh, that, that might be able to help out? And, uh, and Sir Will is happy to, to help as far as uh, rolling a diplomacy, gather information to find a, a cleric in town. Yeah. Faraza um, would be happy to help as well. Right? Oh, yeah. Yes, Her diplomacy is through the roof. Right? I'd certainly be Not happy through the roof. But it's, all right. So uh, why don't you roll? Is, the rest of you can aid. Is, uh, is all right. Okay. Sir Will will roll it. Uh, another 21, exactly. Aid. Aid. Three, Actually, rolled a twenty-six. Five. Oh, so, so another 26. six. Yeah. All right. So yeah, so twenty-seven. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-seven. Uh, you do uh, hear 
of a cleric. Um, her name is uh, Briella. Uh, she is a cleric of Sarenry. Hmm. And uh, they say she's a little bit ornery, uh, but knowing what you need, they're sure that she would most likely be able to help you. Okay. Uh, so um, he's going to give you the directions to that. And it's actually, uh, you would pass the post office on the way there. Okay. So, uh, Lork is like, we'll stop at the post office on the way and check if you've, you've got your letter. And, uh, and so they stop on the way and, uh, yeah, we'll check the post office. All right. So 11 days after you, uh, sent a letter from Yanderhof, you now come to this uh, fantasy post office <laughs> in Skelt. <laughs> and there's a line, 30 people long. You're like, God damn it. We'll <laughs> just come back later. Uh, what do you say? <laughs> uh, Sir Willamette is, uh, good morning, ladies. I've returned again. It's all men, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you, you call me? You, you, you change staff every day, I see. Uh, he's like, is, is there any word from, uh, would have been a, a note from, from Highbury in Mendev? Uh, uh, nope, sorry, nothing. Oh, blast. <laughs> well, we'll just have to wait a few more days then. Uh, <laughs> and, you said, and like Lork as the elf kind of looks at him like, I'm not waiting here a few more days. <laughs> I got giants to kill, but. As you're leaving, uh, a voice pipes up in the back. and says, wait, what, what did you say? Uh, Highbury and Mendiv? I said, yes, Highbury, Mendiv. Uh, Mendiv here. Uh, what, what is your, what's your name? It's Sir Willamette Keswick. Sir Willamette Keswick. Here, let me see. Let me see what you have uh, Hold there. on. Uh, do, you, do you know a Sophia Keswick? Yes. Yes, I do. Oh, well, That's I, me. That's for me. I, I do have something here. Yeah. Uh, uh, here you go. This, is, uh, this came in just this morning, actually. Uh, he's like panting, out of breath, heart is racing. He goes over to grab it. Um, he hands you a letter. What's from- your last name, Mr. Keswick? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and you have a letter from your mother. Oh wow! The first, like hands are shaking. How many letters have it. you sent her since you got since the last time you? Oh, met her? oh, hundreds probably. But you know, since I left Tiber now, maybe how long? How since true now, um, a dozen. Probably. So um, she knows about your exploits with the Knights of Ozum. She probably know, she knows about True Now. She knows about True Now. Uh, yeah, she definitely knows about the, um, you know, he, he sent a couple letters from, uh, oh my God, from Shinneman's Fortune. Right. And, uh, you know, it. just updating her about the grave or the, um, the tomb of Nargum Steelhand and all that stuff. So she was pretty up to date until, you know, everything in the valley. It was a long time, a couple weeks that she didn't get anything at all. Um, but he's writing her religiously, like, any time he can. And so when he was in the... Um, when he was in the Crusades in the World Wound, mm-hmm. he was writing a couple times a week. Right. When he was at the Knights of Ozum, he was writing a couple times a week. You know, he was constantly... And he didn't just write his mother, either. He wrote his father. He wrote Benrick. He, he, he wrote multiple people. Um, it was just a way to keep his mind off of some of the things that he was dealing with. And, sure. And he missed home. He was homesick. And he's very close to his mom. He's a mama's boy. Yeah. Uh, you unfurl the letter. And it reads, uh, Dearest Willamette, I have read every letter you sent a dozen times each. They have warmed my heart low these many years since you left Highbury. Hearing of your adventures reminds me of the stories I would read to you as a child. Do you remember them, Will? Who would have thought you would become the hero knight in those fairy tales? (sighs) Who am I kidding? 
I always knew you were special. I always knew you were destined for great things. My little gift. As much as it pains me to not have you here with me, I know you are doing great things and spreading Shalem's grace throughout the world. Sadly, all is not well in Highbury. There's no gentle way to put this, and yet another reason I wish you were here so I could tell you to your sweet face. But your brother, Friedrich, has died. Our Meisters worked around the clock to find a cause, but were unable to uncover anything. One minute he was the picture of health, then one day he became deathly ill, suddenly, and died in his sleep two days later. He was laid to rest three weeks ago in a beautiful ceremony befitting the heir of Highbury. And therein lies the real reason for my letter. As Friedrich was the heir, there is a problem with the succession. We tried to reach out to Bartholomew, but... And there's like a lot of stuff crossed out. Like she started to say something and then no... Bartholomew is his, his other brother. His middle brother. Middle, middle brother, right? brother yeah. Um, so you can see some words like, uh, for obvious reasons, can't take the throne, cross down, uh, and then it gets to him. And Benric, bless his heart, is still bedridden. There is much to discuss that we cannot do via letter. Will, when can you come home to Highbury? For the rose and the light. Mother. Oh, shit. Wow. Oof. Oh, man. That's so great that she signed it for the Rose and Light instead of love, mother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like Rose and Light. Family first. She's a badass. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, so Will sort of like gets, gets kind of weak on his feet. He leans back against the wall. Um, he really, he was reasonably close to his brother. I mean, uh, you know, not super close. They're very different in age, but. He always really looked up to him. Um, so, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty devastated to hear that. Uh, and he doesn't know, like, when can he go to Highbury? I mean, no time soon, you know. Um, and you guys can see him read this letter and see him visibly shook by it. Yeah. Pembroke comes over and says, oh, are you all right? I fear there's ill news in this missive. Yeah, he's his eye. He's much shorter than you, and his eyes scan up to you, and they're just filled with tears. There's like a tear streaming down his face. He's like, a death, a death in my family. It's hard news to hear in a letter, as I'm sure you know. No, my dear boy, I am sorry. He rolls it up, and he says, she asks when I'm coming home, and I don't know when that can be. She was always there for me, and I i wish I could be there for her, but I'm so far away, Pembroke. We're so far from home. I think Pembroke, like, looks up and exchanges a glance with Baron and Feraza and Lork. Well, if we have a... We have a quest ahead of us, but 
If duty draws you home, we will make the best of it. Don't worry. He pats him on the shoulder. Duty. My duty is here. It is to all of you. It's to my assignment. Trunauen. Jagran Grath. And you, Sheriff. My duty is to you. It's here. I do not wish to burden you with my troubles. Sir Will. I'm sorry, I'm just... It's a shock, is all. You've got a duty to your family as well. You've proven to me these past few weeks and months of traveling together that you're cut from a different cloth than most men. You're also lucky enough to have a family to go home to. You always knew that there may be no coming back from a mission, and you've gotten us past the hump to this point, but I, short of being able to order you, urge you to go home with all of my heart. We have Lork back with us. We have Pembroke's spells by Raza's druidic powers. And if you can go and sort things out at home, I think that's the best thing you could do for yourself. But a healer, Sheriff, you cannot go into this danger without the powers of healing. Well, we have to stock up on healing rods and hope that we don't get too many curses or other afflictions that we can't handle on our own. But I have faith in Torag. I have faith in the church that we have founded within Minderhall's Valley upon all of our faiths. That we will have a light guiding us forward throughout this. I don't know, Sheriff. I, it doesn't feel right. It feels as if I'd be abandoning you in a time of need. I, I understand and appreciate your concern, but I am not an heir of Highbury. There is no political need for me to be there. It's just, it would be emotional support for my mother and my family, and she worries because of the things I have not told you about my brother, Bartholomew. It could be a dangerous situation, and that is why I, I feel like I need to be home, but... I also need to be here. Maybe I could think about it, Sheriff. And, and and if I left, maybe just a short leave. To go home and sort out affairs and, and return with all haste. But I, I'm not sure I wish to do it yet. May I think on it more? Think on it all you need and, and rely upon the uh, wonderful post office here at Skelt to, to communicate more with your family. Because <laughs> <laughs> they are women one day, men the next, but they're always on time, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. All right, and, uh, so very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Says, you must do what you feel is right, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Now, uh... It hadn't, it hadn't dawned on me, the idea of you leaving, but this may be what it comes to. And if Baron has given you the okay, Baron may not think he has the authority to tell you, but you think Baron does. Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, I think that he might not agree that it's okay or a good decision, but I think uh, Jagrin – is it Jagrin or Jagrin? Jagrin. Jagrin, I think we said. Jagrin. I think Jagrin put – you know, put – him in charge of me, you know, and yeah. he may have just that that field authority to make those decisions out here right now. Um, and certainly when Jagrin did it, I think Baron would know at this point that he thought he'd be a help. But like, 
not that necessary. You know, not the one that was going to turn the tide. He thought maybe Nestor was the one that was going to turn the tide. So I think the Baron could feel comfortable in making a call like that. Right. Well, I, I think it's a, a difficult part. I think Baron also, you've distinguished yourself in the field so much, but uh, Baron also doesn't want to necessarily have the power and authority to order you to stay with us when you have family that you could go home to and help. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a big deal for him. That's it's He, he lost his family, you know, whether yeah, or not his family is asleep or dead, we'll, we'll figure out on another episode. Um what exactly was the poison? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that not knowing a ton about Faraza, but knowing how aged Pembroke is and, and Lork's situation, I, I think he, in the same way that that Lork was comfortable taking Orphos with him because like he just wanted to kill and he didn't care what happened in battle, uh, Baron might feel a little bit more comfortable with the uh, familial situations of everyone else in the group. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right, so you get that awesome news. Ugh, awful, yeah. Then... So Sir Will's obviously super <laughs> distracted. Um, and then it's off to this cleric. Off to Briella, the uh, cleric of Sarenray. So you continue down this uh, road, past the post office, past Roy the Hatmaker's <laughs> shop. Uh, <laughs> fucking Roy. Past the... Hat uh, shop and guard captaincy. <laughs> <laughs> past the little hall of records with the uh, dwarven uh, librarian... <laughs> and uh, you see a um, home. <laughs> the, the direction has just led you to a home. It's not a church oh. of Saren Ray. It's just a home. Uh, but there is a uh, mark of Saren Ray on the door. Lork will walk up and, and gently rap on the door. It's <laughs> 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 not the time nor place. <laughs> uh Okay, you knock on the door, and uh, after a time, a woman answers. And she is uh, a bit older, middle-aged. Human? Human. She looks like she was once very pretty in her day. Um, But time has taken its toll on her. And if not just time, maybe just a hard life surviving in this horrible land. Um Roll a perception check. 22. You recognize this woman. What? Really? You can't quite place her. And now, it's been a few days. You don't know if it's just old age that has fogged your memories up or your recent conversion uh, that has left you holes in your memory, but you recognize this woman. How can I help you? Uh, hi, my name is Lork Iron Tusk, and I'm. I'm sorry, have we met before? Excuse me, what did you say your name was? My name's Lork Iron Tusk, and you may not recognize me, I'm afraid it's a what bit of a. What kind of a trick? Are you trying to pull on me, sir? Uh, I'm not. I uh, I was the half-orc, Lork Iron Tusk. You may know me as a half-orc. What? I, I, I don't understand. Who, who are these people? Are you here to hurt me? No, no, no. We are. Are we, you here to hurt me as well? We're all friends. We're all friends of Skelt and, 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 and uh, followers of Serenray, of course. How do you know the name Lork Iron Tusk? 
It is my name. It is I. I am him. You see, it's... If you would just but let us in, I could... I could tell you the tale. But it is me. I promise you that. Then who am I? I... I recognize you, but I can't... In the spell that changed my body, I... I have forgotten things. Things from my past that I... I can't quite place. It's a bit foggy, but I know I recognize you. And as you're talking to her, you just kind of trail off a bit. And it hits you. When you heard the name Briella, maybe it would have clicked for you if you were still Lork Iron Tusk, the half-orc. But now, it didn't. But 20-something years ago, this woman was one of a number of devotees that helped nurse you back to health when your unit came here through ah. Scout. What made her particularly special is that you had a very passionate 72-hour romance <gasps> with her. What? <laughs> had this romance with her before you left, and then you returned to your duty and never saw her again. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So it hits him, and he's like, uh... <laughs> who are you? Allow me to explain. Um, no, there is too much. Uh, oh. He suddenly gets he, he suddenly gets more uh, more serious, and he's like, "You're Briella. You're twenty years ago. You nursed my unit back to health. We had fought on the Storval Plateau or nearby, and we came here wounded. You you helped me. You had a gentle hand, and we." I remember now. Yes. Your father, his... His name was... Dansom. <laughs> <laughs> like handsome? Like handsome? Dansom. Handsome, Dansom. <laughs> Dansom. Come on. Oh, Jesus. Her, his, her father's name is Dansom. Absolutely. He's closely related to Roy the Hatmaker. <laughs> is he related to Ted Dansom? <laughs> <laughs> how how could you know this it's me I this druid her name is Feyraza Feyraza Alsed from Osirian I died in battle there was a curse involved it was very complicated she brought me back to life but in this new body so it's me it is I know it seems strange but I'm very... I'm remembering. I'm remembering a lot, actually. So much you don't know. All these years I wondered if you would ever come back. And here you are, now. Not 20 years too late. 20 days too late. But she is gone. She is gone, and now you will never meet her! Who? Your daughter! What? We'll see you next week. Oh, oh no! Shit! Oh, daughter! Oh, my God! Oh, God no. damn! Oh, my God! Oh, oh shit! I oh, hope. my God. I hope her oh. neck's okay. I'm oh. too young to have a daughter. Oh. Yeah. 110. I'm a hot man. The Glass Cannon Podcast is a Glass Cannon Network production and is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Giant Slayer is copyright 2015. 
Giant Slayer and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.